Hello and welcome again to Urban Tiger Radio from deep in the heart of the Sheffield Concrete Jungle. This week's podcast is a sensitive short story from my collection Firelight on Dark Water, Tales of the Warm and Wonderful. Firelight on Dark Water is available now on Amazon or direct from cybermousemultimedia.com. You can check out the link to our website and buy direct from there. That is the only advertising you're ever going to get from us, so feel free to hit the subscribe button and download each week's podcast to your phone, iPad, computer, however you listen. In the background you can hear the dulcet guitar of Martin Bragger with his intro to his own original work called Cal. It's one of the most evocative guitar intros I've ever heard, which is why I chose it. The story this week is called A Twist of Glass, and I didn't think too much about this story after I'd written it. In fact, it hid amongst the dross on my computer for years before I took it out and read it again. Then it made me cry. No, it's not that bad. It's just me, I'm a soppy old son. Anyway, it's a story about all the daftness that surrounds young love, the myths that we grow up with from the playground about how it will be and all our dreams of finding that perfect someone and how they will fill our lives and love will thrum our hearts like the strings on a bass. All true, and it all happens. But none of it is as good as the anticipation of seeing that one truly undeniable sign, that this is the one, that this person is the culmination of your teenage hopes and dreams, or as devastating as the worry that you're not going to be strong enough to deal with. Thomas needn't have worried. What he found that day in the post office was nothing short of perfection. She would be strong enough for both of them. A Twist of Glass It's not glass, said Thomas. Eliza reached out a finger to stroke the curved flank. It's cold. Thomas watched the wonder in her smile. It's a real un. Don't be silly. I tell you, it's a real un. Eliza remained staring into the cold, translucent fire of the horse. It's crystal. Thomas reached out and touched its tiny head, then smiled a quiet, secretive smile. As much you know. Eliza looked at him, then slowly returned her gaze to the horse, her eyes lit from within by a pale glow. He's beautiful. Thomas pushed his hands into his pockets and shook his head. Eliza laughed once, softly, almost a sob. What's the matter? What do you know? asked Thomas. Can't you see? Eliza looked at him sharply. See what? It's not a he. Eliza turned back to the display where the crystal horse reared, the glass shelf spinning it slowly in the centre of the shop floor. Thomas pointed as it came back around towards them. Look, there, there's nothing. His face suddenly flushed. See, I told you. Eliza stroked the smooth underbelly with the back of a slim knuckle. It's not a she, either. I know, said Thomas, his eyes full of answers, his expression as if he'd caught the tail of something and was afraid to let go. It's a... 
No, it's a nothing. It's not a nothing, said Eliza. It's beautiful. Yes, I know, said Thomas, the flush of his skin deepening. It is, I mean, it's beautiful. His words tumbled out in a sudden rush. But it's more than that. It's, it's, it's... He hesitated, attempting to gauge the look on her face, the wonder in her eyes as she watched the horse slowly spinning. It, look, he said, and took her slender forefinger and pressed it gently against the horse's forehead. Tell me what you feel. It's crystal, said Eliza. Is that all? Thomas looked at her strangely as a dark indecision crossed his face. It's smooth, said Eliza, never taking her eyes from the horse, and quite, quite beautiful. Thomas turned away for a moment and seemed to be struggling with something that tore him this way and then another, as if a tide were at work within him. I'll buy it you, he said. Eliza stared at him impassively. It's too much money. Thomas clung hard to his decision. I will, I'll buy it you. Eliza looked again at the horse, the corners of her mouth lifting slowly into a half-smile. She winked secretly at it. What's the favour, then? Your mum and dad's away for weekend. Eliza laughed once, softly, then nodded. Thomas's head lay warm and moist between Eliza's breasts. A tear flowed softly along the bridge of his nose and across her skin to collect in the dimple just below her shoulder. She held him to her with a quiet, gentle strength she'd always hoped she would find. Thomas snuffled. I'm sorry, he said. His breath and words tickled her skin as they lay entwined. Eliza splayed her fingers around the arc of his shoulder blade, stroking him reassuringly. Don't be sorry. Another day, another time, when it's right for both of us. Thomas shifted slightly, and a small pool of tears emptied cold across Eliza's shoulder and into the bedding. You must think I'm daft, he said. Eliza turned her attention to the tousled auburn hair behind his ear, drawing it into whirls with her finger. Why must I think that? Well, I think I'm daft. That's no good reason. Thomas lifted his head to look at the horse. Eliza drew him gently back into her embrace. It is, he said. You can be daft, you know, just for a minute and then be all right again, as if nothing were ever the matter. I don't know, said Eliza, although perhaps I do. I remember that first time I saw you at the post office, and they laughed together. Perhaps even for longer than a minute, she said. They lay together for a while, frozen in space like the horse that watched them from the dresser. Have you ever believed in something? asked Thomas. So, so, something you know to be daft, something that would make other people think you were daft, and yet you still believed in it anyway. Like God, you mean? No, said Thomas, not like God. Nearly everybody believes in God, or something like it anyway. No, something strange, something like you thought you'd never see, and then just for a minute you thought you did. He shook his head. I thought I did. I were wrong. I'm sorry. 
There's no reason to be sorry, said Eliza. There is. Eliza lifted his head so that she could see his face in the gentle glow. I told you, another day, another time, when it's right for us. Thomas's expression closed in upon himself. It's not that. He buried his head in shame. I'm sorry for the things I thought, the way I felt. A tremor ran through him. The things I thought I saw, they made me think that perhaps this might be easy. You might be... She hugged him tightly to her. Tell me then, tell me what you thought you saw. You're not daft. The belief isn't something to be ashamed of, however simple it might be. When Thomas spoke, his voice seemed distant and somehow much younger. The horse, he said. It was the horse. He fell silent then. Yes, said Eliza. Well, it, it wasn't, said Thomas. A horse, I mean, just for a moment. Yes, said Eliza. Just, just for a moment, said Thomas. He lifted his head and looked up at her. What, what do you know about unicorns? Eliza smiled. Something, she said. A little. When I were a kid, said Thomas, I read every book I could find about them, read every story that had one in it. I knew them almost by heart, and as I grew up it seemed to have stayed there, deep down inside of me, you know, this belief that somewhere there might be one, and that some day I might just see. Eliza smoothed his hair. And you thought that yesterday you'd found one. Is that it? Thomas thought for a moment. Hmm. Maybe I did. I don't know. How would you tell? she said. Thomas shuffled around to where he could see the horse poised on the dresser. Well, he said. They say that unicorns only appear to someone who's a virgin and pure in thought. He blushed as he realised the implications of this admission. And when I first saw it, I could have sworn it had a horn on its forehead, a beautiful twisted thing, with a spiral all around it, and I'd have staked my life that its eyes shone like gold and watched me and followed me as it turned around. What a beautiful thing to believe in, said Eliza. She touched him on the forehead and rubbed him gently where the knob of a horn might be. It was so real, said Thomas, as real as a dream when you're in it. I honestly thought it were real. But that's beautiful, said Eliza. Beauty shouldn't make you sorry. Well, I'm not sorry I saw it, or even that I thought I saw it. I'm glad. It was as if I'd waited all my life for just that minute, but when I knew that you couldn't see it, it made me look at you in a different way. I thought, if you were like I always thought you were, then you'd be able to see it too. Then when you couldn't, I thought that perhaps you might, if I bought you the horse, then maybe I could talk you into, you know. And then when I looked back, it had gone. And I looked, and I looked, but it was just a crystal horse. And there was no horn, and no spiral, and its eyes were just clear glass, and they wouldn't look at me any more. 
Eliza stroked his head back down upon her chest. Don't be sorry, she said. You found your unicorn. Perhaps most people never do. Maybe people believe all their lives without ever really knowing. She turned out the light and gazed across the room to the dresser who had a beautiful golden eye gazed back at her and a pale horn wove the night around its spiral. Well, that's all for this week's show, folks. I hope you enjoyed your free podcast from Urban Tiger Radio. And if you've hit that subscribe button, you'll be hearing from us again in a week's time. So it's a goodbye from me and a... (coughs) From Nelly. Goodbye.